0: Listening. listening to the Living Room North Podcast. All right. How we doing? Good? Oh my gosh, guys. Um, blown away from this evening already. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I've met so many new people tonight. Um, I, there's this sweet girl that I bumped into uh, in the midst of all the stuff when we started. I was crying, just tears of joy. And so I apologize, I'm not, I'm not. well, I'm a little strange, but um, I'm apologizing for that encounter. Well, welcome to The Living Room. Uh, my name is Ryan. Uh, I have the privilege of working uh, with a fantastic team here that um, I need to call out real quick because they've been working super hard uh, for you guys because we love college-age adults. Um, that's Carly. Carly, raise your hand. She hates this, but that is Carly. A lot of fans in the house. That's Katie right there. And uh, is Jacob in here? Where's Jacob? 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 Where's Jacob? He's, he's probably doing push-ups somewhere. Uh, there he is, there's Jacob. And all we, we're gonna have a phenomenal uh, student team for you guys in the back. They're uh, kind of running everything back there. So let's, let's go ahead and give him a golf clap for the uh, student production team. Hey, well, um, I'm super excited to have the privilege of kicking off a series tonight um, that we're calling Do It Scared. And uh, I'll explain that as we go along. But um, basically what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, few weeks is courage and uh, what it looks like to live courageously in the face of fear. Now, I want to talk about a helpful distinction uh, right here in the start that it's important for you to know uh, with this series, and that is... um, Uh, we're not gonna be talking about eliminating fear. We're gonna be talking about overcoming fear. And there is a difference, right? Eliminating fear and overcoming fear, completely different, okay? It's not like, especially if you've ever been scared of something or scared of doing something, it's not like you can just snap your fingers and boom, the fear goes away, right? That's why it's not helpful when somebody says, hey, don't be scared. Oh, you're jumping off of a cliff, 100 foot cliff for the first time? Don't be scared, (laughs) all right? doesn't make sense. And you know, if you're like me, especially sometimes like uh, when you're kind of feeling like you're scared and if you're just just waiting for the fear to go away, I I don't think you're actually going to do it. So if you're waiting for that to be eliminated, eliminated, you're never going to do anything. See, overcoming fear is a little bit different. It's pushing through the fear and moving towards and forward anyway. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the series because that's what courage is. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward in the face of it. Now, it's not that courageous people um, don't uh, experience fear. No, courageous people, they just figure out a way to move through it. They're compelled to push through it. In other words, courageous people do it scared. See how it did there? Yeah. That was cute. Uh, So we're going to be talking about that, okay? We're going to be talking about living courageously and trying to figure out how to live courageously and step towards the calling that God might have for each of our lives. Now, here's the reality. All of us, we have things that we're scared of, right? Uh, Some of you uh, are not scared of hissing cockroaches anymore, but uh, you might be scared of walking on stage. I get it. I've done that a million times. I have done that a million times to count. It's true, you can ask my bride, where's where's Ellen at? There she is, my bride of 13 years, almost 13. She's seen me fall who knows how many times. So here's the deal. We're all scared of something, all right? But this is crazy though. There are some fears that are kind of good that we have it, right? It kind of protects us, all right? Keeps you appropriately cautious, keeps you safe. There are things that we would label as fear in our lives that we should be afraid of, like poisonous snakes, great white sharks, cats. You laugh, but if you're not afraid of cats, I think you're wrong. Um, Just saying, just putting it out there. Um, They are ridiculous, hideous creatures. Amen, (laughs) amen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, that are the spawn of Satan. But anyways, uh, just kidding, not really. Um, but the truth is there are some things that we um, are legitimately afraid of in life. Some, some are good, uh, some are bad. But it was the same way when we were growing up, like when we were little kids. Like Ellen and I, we have three boys and when they were babies, just like when you were babies, you had no fear. You were fearless, right? You would put anything in everything. You know, oh, that looks good. That's a staple. I don't care. I'll swallow it. You know, like you're, you're looking to crawl off cliffs, but you don't really know because you're fearless. And it just takes your parents and their reaction to kind of help teach you what to be afraid of, right? So when our kids were little, Jackson, our oldest, he starts scooting over there. I'm like, whoa, whoa. hey, buddy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, again, your parents give you that, oh, oh, maybe I should be afraid of this. Jackson, whoa, 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 don't put your hand in that fiery orange flamey thing in the fireplace, okay? Oh, oh, I, I, I shouldn't do that, all right? That's what happens when we're younger. But the reality is as you get older and you know this, your experiences begin to teach you what to be afraid of. Your failures teach you. Your insecurity begins to tell you what to be afraid of. And what happens and what happens to all of us is at some point that our fear moves from appropriately cautious to detrimentally crippling. And our fears no longer work just to keep us alive. Our fears begin to work over time and they hold us back. Now, before Ellen and I moved to Georgia many years ago, uh, we lived in Tennessee, and um, we lived in this really cute house, totes adorbs, three bedroom, two bath, ranch. Um, it was awesome. And there was a day that happened where I had to go out back um, and get underneath the house in a crawl space, okay? Anybody ever been in a crawl space under a little tiny house? Yes, okay, it's, it's, it's very interessante. Um, so it's the first time I had to go in there. I don't know if I was checking on a pipe, checking on the plumbing, what? But I go under there, I open the door and the first thing I see is this massive forest of cobwebs. And so I'm like, hmm, interesting, Interessante. And I look to the door that I swung open and no joke, not making this up, uh, about two or three spiders um, that were massive. And so I did what any manly man would do. I said, nope. Not today, because apparently they were filming Stranger Things in the crawl space. I didn't want anything to do with it. So I just shut the door and backed away. Which if we were honest, I think that's what we do, isn't it? When we're faced with something that scares us, our tendency is to back down, close the door and walk away. And that's what fear does. Fear gets in the way. It holds us back. And I wonder how many of us in the room have walked away from something that we were scared of that just might actually happen. I wonder how many of us in the room tonight um, have ever felt like God was calling you towards something and you chose to ignore it. I wonder how so many uh, and how many of you guys maybe had a gut feeling. Uh, Maybe God was breaking your heart over something or someone. You saw a need, the door was clearly open. And then you chose to step toward where you were like, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. So you didn't take that step. Fear can do that. And if you're like me, um, as a young 20s, um, if you're like me, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I always love that joke. Uh, if you're like me, you do have fears in your life. And maybe it's the fear of failure. And that fear of failure keeps us from being bold. Uh, maybe for you, it's a fear of rejection. Um, which keeps us from being real and fully known. And maybe for some of you and for some of us, it's a a fear of being alone. And because of that, it has kept you in an unhealthy relationship. And so rather than overcoming fear, fear overcame you and you walked away. So this, this idea of living courageously sounds awesome to me because you don't even have to be a Jesus follower uh, to like the idea of being courageous. But I will tell you, and some of you know this, uh, living courageously is uncomfortable because living courageously puts you in a vulnerable position. I mean, choosing courage makes you vulnerable to failure, uh, to rejection. Uh, to stepping into the unknown, it's uncomfortable. And I don't know if you're like me or not, but I love and I crave comfort. I want my life to be one ginormous leather recliner. I don't wanna work on anything. I just wanna chill. I wanna binge on Netflix. I don't want any craziness to happen. I don't want any suffering to happen in my life. I just want it to be comfortable. Why? Because I like easy All right, I don't don't like to, to be feeling like insecure. I like security. I like knowing. I like controlling. It feels better. It's easier, but it's risky. But see, the reality is courage and comfort can't coexist. There really isn't a situation where you can be courageous and comfortable at the same time. So here's why this is important, because knowing a lot of you in the room, I know that, hey, you're, you're in college and you, you, you wanna grow. You wanna grow personally. Uh, some of you wanna grow professionally. Some of you wanna grow emotionally. I know you're like, yeah, I'm looking to kind of grow. I'm looking to mature, but here's the reality. You don't grow when you're comfortable. You don't do anything extraordinary When you're comfortable, you you don't really exercise a lot of faith when you're comfortable. You're not experiencing all that God has for you when you're comfortable. But if you do choose to cultivate uh, a life and a heart of courage, I believe um, you'll begin to kind of get the most out of these unique years in your life. I think and believe you'll experience the most personal growth in your college years than ever before because you've chose to cultivate courage. And I really believe God, for everyone in this room, no matter where you're at on the faith journey, wants to maximize your potential when we stop letting fear cripple how He wants to use us and what He wants to do in and through us. Um, I, I wrote this statement in my, in my notes and I was, I put it like a little, hey, I really want everybody to get this. And I think this is true. On the other side of fear and or on the other side of what you're most afraid of is the heavenly father, is the heavenly father that wants to love you, to grow you, to stretch you, to use you, to give you purpose and to heal you. But if you stay comfortable, I think you'll miss it. And if you choose uh, comfortability, you'll miss out. And so that's why I'm going to title this talk, I feel like you can give it the title of Walk, Don't Run, because rather than running from what scares us, my hope, uh, today and through the series, we might begin to take steps confidently and walk courageously into what God has for us on the other side of what we're afraid of. Sip. Now, I want to do that by looking at a story um, of a guy um, who quite honestly, if, if he, he would much rather of, of kind of run away from God and what God was calling him towards, but instead he was compelled to take courage and step into all God had for him. And I wanna talk about this story of a guy named Gideon, okay? Strange name, crazy story, but I wanna give you some context real quick, all right? We're gonna be in the book of Judges tonight for a little bit. It's an Old Testament book that accounts for the portion of Israel's history. And honestly, it's, it's kind of a crazy up and down ride uh, going on in Israel. Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Some of you might know this, that Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt all the way up to the shores of the promised land. And then Joshua took them over there, led them into the promised land. And then what happened is Israel started to forget about the one true God that brought them out of Egypt. And so Judges, essentially, this book is a history of that particular time in Israel. So then God is raising up all of these judges uh, to preside over Israel. Israel, And uh, most, most weren't great, some were, but most of them weren't great. Um, but they were stuck in this cycle, uh, goodness gracious, they were stuck in this cycle, uh, worshiping uh, other gods, and, but God would allow these enemies um, to overtake them. And so when this didn't happen, they'd cry out to God and God in His mercy would deliver them. I mean, it's, it's the most up and down story ever. You should go read it for yourself. So God had a special purpose for Israel. They were supposed to be conduits for God's glory, but instead they started kind of looking around at everybody else. So here we are, Judges chapter six, the cycle restarts. And Israel did kind of evil things in the eyes of the Lord for seven years. And he handed them over uh, to this group called the Midianites. And they, were, they just terrorized Israel. One of the way they, specific ways they did that is to kind of uh, ravage their crops. So Israel cries out for God to help. And God's response was to call on a man named Gideon to lead Israel out from their oppression. And so we're just gonna get into it. So I need you to look at somebody next to you and I want you to tell them, let's do this. All right, now we're gonna put, um, as we all uh, always do, we're gonna put the text up on these screens so, so everyone should have it. If you do have a Bible with us, you can follow along, Judges 6. If you do have the YouVersion app on your phone, uh, feel free, but we will always have stuff on the screen. So here we go. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, okay, not Oprah, all right? Oprah, This is not Oprah saying you get an oak tree and you get an oak tree and you get, okay. Oprah, all right. Under the oak and Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizurite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So here's what we have. We have an angel appearing as a man under this oak tree. And what does he find Gideon doing? He finds Gideon uh, actually um, threshing this wheat in a wine press. Now a wine press is kind of like this this glorified hole in the ground. And back then when you thresh wheat, what you're trying to do is take the, the edible portion out of the wheat away from the unedible stock. And that's what threshing it. But here's the thing. What you would really want to do is have a lot of space because it was more efficient to do it that way. But instead, we find Gideon doing that down in a hole. Why? Because he's scared. He's intimidated. He's fearful of the Midianites and what might happen to him. So that's kind of the scene, all right? This terrified farmer down in this hole. Angel of the Lord continues to say to Gideon, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, that doesn't really make sense to me because it's like, uh, really, mighty warrior? I mean, this dude is in this hole, you know, shaking in his chacos, just, you know, I chose chacos. I almost did Ugg boots, but then I was like, no. But I guess I kind of just did. So shaking his chacos. But here's the thing, he is terrified, but this is what I don't want you to miss. It's, it's important, and we'll come back to this in a second, but, but God saw something that Gideon couldn't. God saw something that none of us would have seen. God looked at Gideon and saw potential. And for knowing some of you, um, and especially for being uh, in your world as well, there are many times that things within us where the fears begin to take over and we're like, ah, I mean, I don't don't know. I mean, who am I? Well, here's something. Here's one of the points I want you to, to walk away with tonight is God sees more in you than you do. God sees way more in you than you do. God made you. You're His handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He has prepared in advance for you to do. Whether you believe it or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I believe that God created you on purpose and for a purpose. So when, when you and I, we, we kind of can back away from the face of fear because we, we believe that we don't have what it takes, I think this is a great reminder that God sees more in us than we can even see. This is something that I personally have struggled with for a number of years. And sometimes I feel like people are like, well, hold on a second. Um, you know, shouldn't you just kind of, you know, just kind of go the humility route? And it's like, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's, that's something we should all aspire to is having humility. But there is something called false humility. And um, I remember coming across this quote that really uh, has challenged me by a guy named Stephen Furtick. And he says this, he said, it's dangerous to see yourself more highly than you ought. I think we would all kind of be like, okay, yeah, I kind of get that. But this is the part that challenges me. It's equally as dangerous to see you as less than how God sees you. It's equally as dangerous to see you as less than how God sees you. So God sees you more. God sees more in you than you do. So Gideon keeps talking. He says, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders? That our fathers told us about when they said, "Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt?" And he continues, "But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of the Midian." Hey, if God is really with us, like, then what's going on? Where did He go? I grew up listening to my grandparents telling telling me all of these phenomenal stories about taking us and saving us and bringing us out of oppression. What's going on? Why are they bullying us? Where is this God now? Is essentially what he's getting after. Story goes on. The Lord turned to him, turned to Gideon and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Hey, God, what what strength are you talking about? I mean, my family is weak. They are lame. So am I. But here's the deal is when I was looking at this, I was like, gosh, this is super important and I don't want you to miss it. God is inviting Gideon into something special. God is calling Gideon into his destiny and Gideon responds to God and says, well, you've got the wrong guy. You've got the wrong guy. See, Gideon looks at himself, Gideon looks at his abilities, Gideon looks at his background and he takes all that he knows about himself and he puts it up to what he knows about God and what he's calling him to, and it doesn't match up. And so God responds, oh, my bad. I was, I was actually trying to reach somebody else. Must have butt dialed somebody. Um, no, that's not what he said. This is what God said next. Gideon, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. I will be with you. God looks at Gideon and basically says, I know you can't. I know you're terrified. I know you couldn't get a D3 scholarship. You don't even lift, bro. I know all of this, right? I know you don't. I know you don't have what you feel like you don't have what it takes. But here's all you need to know. I will be with you. And so I think, um, again, this is something else I struggle with. And I I do this a lot when facing fears. um, I begin to kind of only look at my story and my lack of ability. and And I start growing pretty insecure. And it's something I started doing in high school. And if I were honest, as a, as a young 40 year old, I, I still wrestle with it now. And it leads me to believe this, kind of my, my second point is security in you breeds insecurity. When all you have is confidence in yourself, of course you're gonna grow insecure. I mean, think about it. When you bump up to something that you can't handle, that you've never gone through before ever, and all you have to be confident is your ability, your knowledge, your reasoning, your strengths, of course, you're gonna grow and secure. But God tells Gideon, and God tells you and me that I will be with you. Go in the strength that you have, Gideon. Go in the strength that you have, and I will add mine. Go in the wisdom that you have, Gideon, and I will add mine because I will be with you. So God continues uh, to converse. um, The angel of the Lord continues to converse with Gideon. And uh, the conversation continues. And here's the crazy thing is Gideon finally is like, okay, I think I can do this. And he's finally ready to take this courageous step, which is pretty amazing. So what he starts to do is he, he gets his army ready. He gets this massive army to kind of take on the Midianites. And and then God says this. You have too many men. Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. Now, I want to pause there and just, just be real for a second. Because when I, when I read this um, and, and I kind of put myself there and, and how I think I would react, honestly, I think I would probably say something like this what did you say? Now if my kind of inner personality sometimes is a Ron Burgundy type. Okay. But maybe you wouldn't say something like this. Maybe you would just be like this one of my favorite scenes. Wait, I'm sorry. What? What did you say? God, what kind of battle strategy is this? What do you, what do you mean? Well, the story continues. (laughs) And uh, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against men that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So check this, 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Now, you might not be a mathlete in the room, okay? But some quick math. Gideon started with 32,000 men and then God dwindled it down to 10,000. But then God looks at 10,000 and he's like, you know what, still too many. So then the 10,000 doesn't just go down to 5,000, doesn't just go down to 1,000, goes down to 300 people. 32,000 to start. Three hundred. That's the scale we're dealing with. But here's the amazing part. We won't pick this up in the story, but uh, or I won't. Well, I won't read this in the story. The amazing part is God says to Gideon, "Hey, well, with these three hundred men, I will deliver the Midianites into your hands." And so when I, when I, lo- I watch and I, I look at Gideon trying to figure out this whole overcoming the fear thing, and then all of a sudden I see kind of, he's like, okay, I, I, maybe I can do it. And you've been there too. You're like, okay, I feel like I've, I've gotten up courage to kind of look at this fear and maybe, maybe overcome it. And then you kind of start out and you're like, whoa, uh-oh, the weaknesses start to kind of come up and come out. And you're like, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe you just don't have, you're like, ah, these weaknesses, it won't allow me to overcome this obstacle. Well, this is one of the last points I'll make. I I think this is so true, is that your weakness sets the stage to display God's glory. I mean, think about it. If if he would have kept the 32,000, chances are, again, he would have defeated the army. But it's like, well, yeah, I mean, honestly, there was 32,000 people there. You know, not that kind of a big deal. Maybe Gideon didn't really have to do much. But with 300, again, it surfaces all, well, what am I going to do? And What am I going to do with all these weaknesses? And here's the thing. When we are trying to live courageously, when we are trying to overcome the fear in our lives, there will be many a times, and you know it because you experience where weaknesses pops up and you start being way more tethered to that weakness than you are to the God who created you. And so here's what I would say about your weaknesses. Don't let your weaknesses stop you because it certainly will not stop God. And God has been doing that since the dawn of creation, taking weak and broken people and doing incredible things for His glory and for His namesake. So as I've, I've been sitting with this um, this text, and as I am still learning how to try to live courageously and overcoming things, you know, in the face of fear, um, this is what I would kind of boil it all down to. And so maybe you've passed out, um, maybe you've now awoken yourselves again. Uh, this This is what I want, you know, kind of the main takeaway to be. Courageous people chase calling over comfort. Courageous people chase calling over comfort. Now, I I want to practically uh, explain that. Okay, What, what does it look practically to chase calling over comfort? Well, I think it means following conviction. I think it means for those of you who might be a Jesus follower in the room, it's listening and being attentive to the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Pay attention to like, hey, what's in your gut? What breaks your heart? What do you keep ignoring that's reoccurring? Looking for the opportunities to step outside of your comfort zone. And here's the cool thing. You don't have to be a Jesus follower to do these things. So I think it would benefit every single one of us practically chasing calling over comfort. Now, what do I believe God has called us to collectively? especially if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus? To love fiercely, to be known intimately, to reject passivity, to follow Jesus boldly, to surrender our lives willingly, to pursue righteousness passionately. And some of you are like, yes and amen, I'm on that journey, I get it, I'm with you. And I would say, gosh, that's impressive. But you know what else is impressive to me? That for some of you in the, uh, tonight, you overcame some fear to actually walk through the doors of a church. And that took a massive courageous step. And it should be celebrated. So as we, as we leave today, and I'm gonna set small group stuff up in a second, but as you're kind of driving back to wherever your home is, maybe it's in Dahlonega, I don't even know, um, wherever you're residing, as you're laying you know, your head on your pillow and you're kind of just kind of thinking about things, I really want you to think, what would you do if you were confident that God was with you and for you? Honestly, what would you do if you were confident that God was with you and for you? We, we talked about some fears earlier. And if you really, I think, begin to, to we were focus on that question, you're gonna also be met with, what if, what if you weren't overcome by some of these fears? What if you weren't overcome uh, by the fear of rejection? What if you weren't overcome by the fear of uh, just putting yourself out there? What if you weren't overcome by saying no uh, to like, ah, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna measure up. What if you were to say no? What if you were to overcome the people's opinions, the fear of people's opinions, which is a big thing for me as an extrovert? What if you were to say no to all of these fears? What would it look like? What would it look like if you chose courage? Um, before I pray, uh, we, um, when we were thinking about this series, we're kind of thinking about the artwork and yes, there's this lion and in a lot of cultures, the lion does symbolize courage. You know, you probably heard that. Um, but, but maybe um, some of you might not know is that there is this, um, this beautiful series, this, this work that a guy named C.S. Lewis did uh, called Chronicles of Narnia. Some of you might even read it when you're a kid. Um, it's, it's fascinating, it is brilliant. Um, but in these chronicles, C.S. Lewis um, writes, um, it's, it's, it's totally fiction allegory, But the God character um, is this lion named Aslan, okay? And in one of the chronicles, basically the the children that that make their way into Narnia, which is this um, ridiculously awesome uh, world, and these children, these human beings are like, okay, well, tell me more about Aslan. What is he like? Um, Is he safe? He asked that question to one of the wise, which is like this wise uh, wise beaver, which we won't get into. Uh, But the beaver is like, wait a second, uh, no one said anything um, about being safe. Who said anything about being safe? Of course, he's not safe. But he's good. And the reality is, God never promises us safety. For those that step out and want to begin a relationship with Jesus, just so you know, uh, God has never and doesn't necessarily really promise safety. But but what He does promise is that He will be with you because He is good. He is a good Father with your best interests at heart. He knows you and sees you way more than maybe you could even see yourself. And so our hope and desire is this series, we begin to again get into all of the stuff within us that we're afraid about and trying to overcome these fear and live more courageously in light that we could experience what God's best for our world would look like. So let me pray for us. And then I got one or two things to say after. Heavenly Father, uh, you are good. You... You are so good. You are so good. You are good. You are good. You are so, so, so good. And we're grateful that we have a good heavenly father uh, who is with us alongside this journey. And God, I pray for all of us in the room that you would be just merciful with us as we surround ourselves with experiences that bring up fear. And I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom and direction like you did with Gideon to help us just just step forward and begin to kind of do it scared and begin to try to live life, not not eliminating fear because that's not gonna work or work out, but that we begin to overcome fear by living courageously, that we would that we'd really chase the calling that you have for us and not just remain comfortable because we are so tethered to the fear in our world. So help us to know what to do with these things. And thank you that you are a good, good father who wants to lead us in this type of way. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.